0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Speaking About Speaking. And as you can see from the screen, I have the gorgeous Gillian Whitney with me. Hello, Gillian. Hello. All the way from Las Vegas.
1: Correct. Although Correct. I'm traveling today, so I'm actually coming in from Kansas City, Missouri. Ooh.
0: Kansas City. Is that where um, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz is? that Somewhere that around here. Somewhere oh, over yeah. the rainbow over somewhere. here. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, let me introduce you, Gillian. Uh, Gillian is a LinkedIn live stream strategist and coach uh, who helps business professionals use live and recorded video to build trust, boost online visibility, increase sales and promote their businesses. She has over 10 years of experience as a marketing coach and helps clients from all over the world use video to achieve their business goals. Uh, she also hosts her own LinkedIn live show uh, weekly and LinkedIn Easy Peasy podcast. She is the author of two books, How to Feel More Confident on Camera and Stand Out in Your Job Search with Video. Gillian, obviously as we can tell from Las Vegas to Kansas City is a digital nomad currently living in Las Vegas, uh, but you are a citizen of four countries, Gillian. Canada, United Kingdom, United States and Israel. And this is the bit I love. Contrary to public opinion, she is not an international spy.
1: <laughs> so Sometimes welcome. I, thank you. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. And thank you for having me on, Jackie.
0: Oh, you're more than welcome. So let's let's start with the basics. The, whereabouts in the UK are you from? Well,
1: uh, I'm British born abroad, so my parents were both born in London, and I was actually – here's a funny story because I love stories. So I was actually born in Chatham, Ontario in Canada, which is a really tiny little place, and when I – In life, found out that I was British, British born abroad. I wrote to the British government and I said, "How do I prove it?" And they said, "You don't have to prove it. You're just British. That's it. Apply for a passport." So I said, "Okay." So I submitted all my documentation of me and my parents and everything else. And on my passport, they bore they put that I was born in Chatham, England. So on my British passport, it's not true. I wasn't born in Chatham, England. But I guess it's twin city, so I'm going to claim that.
0: Have you been to Chatham, England? No. No, Mm. No. No. but (laughs) my roots are
1: Scottish. My roots are my real, like my ancestry roots are Scottish all the way. So I'm a Highlander.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, that's, that's great. Welcome home and you will be coming home next year. So yes. we'll get on to that a little bit later because you're coming over to do a speaking engagement. Um, but let's start with because I think you started out with doing a, a psychology degree before you sort of ended up in this space. So tell us a little bit about your journey to, to getting to doing the, the, the LinkedIn live video coaching.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll I'll make it very, very quick. So started off in psychology, uh, became a tech writer, and then a a computer trainer, and kind of went the road of communications through the written format. And when I had that sort of detour that we all do, or not that we all do, but many of us do to have children, I decided I needed to learn how to speak. That was my goal. I wanted to learn how to speak. I joined Toastmasters and started going out for contests. And uh, remind me to tell you a story if we have time later on about picking the wrong story for, or picking the wrong story for the wrong audience, because I lost a Toastmasters contest, but I later won a contest. So I redeemed myself. But as I became, you know, equipped with learning how to speak through Toastmasters, and then I went on to become a curriculum developer and writing courses and doing speaking on the side. And then I went the marketing route. Settled in on LinkedIn and then started doing video because, hey, that's how you get seen, known and noticed and people get to know you and like you and trust you through video. So that's sort of my journey. And then I have found that LinkedIn live video is just even more effective than regular video. So that's kind of how I focused all on that.
0: Oh, gosh, I'd I want to pick up on that. We'll come back to that. But I just love the fact that uh, th- actually, I, uh, um, another of my guests a couple of weeks back, John, John Burkhart. Uh, I don't know if you know, John, but he he's American, and he started out wanting to be a speaker. And it, it's not something over here. I don't know whether the American uh, system is is more speaking bias, whether you guys do more of that at school, but it's not necessarily something that's that sort of a a child in a a British school would think about being a speaker. So is it something that, that sort of developed through school? It's not developed through school. And as a matter of
1: fact, when I was raising my children, I actually homeschooled my children. And in order to kind of keep them in social circles, I was very, very big in a homeschool group. And because of Toastmasters, I decided to teach the children, the teenagers, public speaking. And I literally took a Toastmasters format, made it for teenagers. And these kids later went on to do amazing things. And they all credited it with being able to be in a safe, private space learn how to speak with colleagues who they they called their fellow homeschool kids and went on to become Eagle Scouts and gave their great speeches. Some went on to school, learned how to do debate. They went to debate clubs when they got to university and they always came back to me and said, Mrs. Whitney, because they all called me Mrs. Whitney, we learned how to speak through your group because I just taught them impromptu speaking, icebreaker speeches, all those basics. Yeah. Teach them early people.
0: Teach yeah. those kids early. I mean it's it's just so fundamental and I just I don't know why I ask. I mean I did th- there was a debating s- society when I was at school but it wasn't compulsory it wasn't something we had to do. There and that's was a, hard and yeah, that's hard. Well yes but it does get you get you talking off the top of your head doesn't it, it just right. get you into that sort of space talking about what you're passionate about understanding that actually y- you can do it um it's t- yeah, it's it's sadly missing over here. I think I used to teach uh, what we call Lambda mm. uh, classes. So Lambda, the London Academy of Music and Drama School over here in London, the London Music. Um, they do. I suppose I always tell people they're like a ballet or piano grading. Mm. So Lambda does something with with this uh, similar with speaking. And speaking verse and prose, that I used to teach with kids. So you get them reciting poetry from the age of sort of six or seven. And then mm. they they sort of they go up through the through the grades until they're they're sort of speaking and, and stuff. And it's just so fundamental, really. It just gives them so much confidence. I mean, obviously, I, I come from a teaching kids acting background basically, and then from an acting background into uh, working with adults, and as I have been for the last few years. But yeah, absolutely fundamental. So did you ever get onto stages and speak yourself in those oh, early yeah. days? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Where, where oh, yeah. did you start with that? Where? How did that sort of come about? Uh, that's kind of a funny story, too. I always have funny stories.
1: So I was actually working in a library. I was a library assistant, which is like basically a librarian without the pay. And I was doing this. And at the same time, I was working with a, a fellow colleague. We were doing the same thing. And we got this idea that we wanted to do communication workshops and we wanted to teach humor and how humor could like alleviate stress and and so we would go into corporations and we would do these workshops and we actually got booked in to go to a prison once and this and it was the craziest thing and it was like i'd never been in prison before i i'm actually i don't have any records or anything like that but we actually went in and we taught these and it was a men's prison and we were teaching these men back-to-back dancing balloon stomping how to how to find humor making a humor journal it was the craziest thing but those were kind of the things that i would do is we would go on stage and we'd do all these events we'd do christmas parties we just do all sorts of stuff so i've actually been doing all that kind of stuff for many many years and at that time we were billing ourselves as humor consultants i don't even know if that was the thing but we made it up and we would wear funny nose and glasses so that's a great way to get out on stage.
0: <laughs> yeah, in front of a a, a prison uh, audience—that's that, that <laughs> captive audience. Scary, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, absolute captive audience. Yeah, <laughs> they had no choice. <laughs> uh, we, we've got John here with us. So, hello, John. Good to see you both. And I'll be joining Jillian's LinkedIn Live in a couple of hours too. Yeah, I didn't realize. Thank you, John. Until until obviously you were coming on the show that your LinkedIn Live is like it. Two hours after mine, so yep. you do a Tuesday afternoon as well. Yep, yeah, this is great, brilliant. So, how long have you been doing that? Um, over three years now. So Mm -hmm. it was like one of those
1: back when LinkedIn live started three years ago, you actually had to apply. And I always likened it to getting like the Willy Wonka and getting the golden ticket to, you know, (laughs) go off and see Willy Wonka. You had to apply. You had to be approved. And I got approved because I did video. And even though I had a tiny following at the time, I just you know, decided, okay, I got this. I might as well go for it. I picked a time, picked a date. I was living in Israel at the time. And I went, okay, well, do I do it according to my schedule or where my audience was? And again, public speaking is always about knowing your audience. And I knew that I had more people in my audience that were probably in America. And I knew a lot of people over in the UK as well. So I picked eight o'clock at night, which sounds like a crazy time to go live. But now that I'm in Las Vegas, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. So that was a really <laughs> good decision. And I I think I missed like one Tuesday, you know, I was sick. Other, I, I think I had like covid type illness whatever so i had one day where i actually missed other than that i've never missed except last august i took a, a month off to um go on vacation up to canada so yeah
0: pretty regular yeah consistent consistency very very good very good yeah i i um i've been, i've been doing this for a year now and i don't know where the time goes to be honest it does uh, so and you do your your linkedin lives through streamyard as well don't you i love streamyard it's so easy pc to use yeah. it's just yeah. great Yeah. So tell, the uh, and if there's anybody out there, uh, apart from the lovely John, listening to us or watching this, please, if you've got any questions, if you'd like to know a little bit about uh, video and how video can help your business, then please do drop a a comment or ask us a question. But tell us then, Gillian, why um, why video, you feel video is so important for small businesses. I think that video allows people
1: you know, corny as it sounds, get to know, like, and trust you. And you you, you just naturally, you know, video just comes alive when you're scrolling through the news feed, and you see a video, you're just much more likely to stop and say, oh, what's going on here? As opposed to a text post or a graphic post, those are great, but video just kind of appeals to, you know, all of our senses. And what I like about video is it allows people to filter you You sort whether they're attracted to you or repelled for you. And at the end of the day, that's really good because you don't want to waste time trying to basically get your services to the wrong people. I liken it to we're looking for the people that are looking for us. And so if you can show up as yourself and show up on video. People can see you get a sense of who you are so that when they meet you offline, they already get that feeling. And the best compliment you can ever get after doing a video is somebody says, oh, you're just like you are in your video. So when they meet you, that's the reaction you want. When I come and meet you, Jackie, in person, I want you to say you were the same on video as you are right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how, how do you because so many people, and I, I know this, I mean, obviously a lot of the work that I do is is with people uh, in person. So they're getting on stages generally. I do work with people on video, but not as much. When people come to you and say, as they do to me, as soon as the camera is on, I I go to pieces. How do you get them over that? Where do you start with them?
1: I, I get the them.
0: I, I tell I tell them.
1: Practice, practice, practice. That's the best way to get comfortable with video, and start with storytelling. That's my number one tip for everyone. We all have stories. We all have personal stories that we like to share. And take your personal stories and just say, "What point could I make with this? What what does what's the takeaway for somebody listening to this story?" And if you don't want to reveal stories about maybe you on a personal level think about things that appeal to you so for instance i love to talk about movies i'm a big fan of the wizard of oz that's one of my favorites but i'm also a fan of mary poppins and i remember uh, like i love movies like this because to me they're magical and i remember watching mary poppins as a kid and as an adult i thought about mary poppins and i went what could that what kind of lessons could we learn from Mary Poppins? And so I actually did a video about this, that there was three lessons from Mary Poppins. And one of the lessons was when Mary Poppins first meets Jane and Michael. So Mary Poppins, she's this like magical nanny that comes out of the sky and she floats down and the kids are looking for the perfect nanny. And she comes with this measuring tape and she says to them, let's see how you measure up. And so she measures each child and it's like one's prone to giggle the other one gets into trouble. So then they say, Hey, Mary Poppins, how about you? How do you measure up? And she pulls out her magic tape and she says, practically perfect in every way. And so then I thought, so how does that apply to video? We need to be practically perfect in every way, but never perfect. And so we aim to get better and better and better. And we do that by being, you know, practicing, doing video, getting better, getting better, but never beat ourselves up that like, oh, I had an um or an ah, or I forgot something. So those are the kind of lessons that we can do is find stories, either your own or things books you like, movies you like, something that happened to you, even a story that happened to somebody else, you can tell that story. And that's so much easier than trying to memorize a script and using a teleprompter. I don't advise people to do that. Just make it a natural conversation and it makes it so much easier.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I say to people when they're getting in front of anybody. If they're live, if they're on a camera, whatever, practice, 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 and then practice again and yeah be you be authentic use your own stories use something that you that you love to to take your audience on that journey because your audience will will mirror you um do you say to people about just you know when they're looking at a lens because i think that's what what freaks people out slightly is that they can't see the people that are looking at them so uh, what do you say well,
1: one of my one of my biggest tips is if you really have a hard time a great way to get over that is if you have Zoom, have somebody get on a Zoom with you and th- what they can do is you can turn their camera off and you could record it and they could feed you the questions. So for instance, you and I could be sitting here, Jackie, and you might say, tell me where you went this weekend. I heard you went on a road trip. And then you could turn, you could pin the camera. So only I'm being recorded. And then I would just naturally tell you the story. And that's easy to tell. Now, if I want to train myself to look up at the lens and not at you, because if I look down here and I look at you, I'm I'm looking the wrong way. So to look at the lens, I have a little trick and it's Lenny. So Lenny's a little post, little circle, happy face. I put on a little yellow post-it note and I stick it right under the camera lens. And then that just trains my eye to naturally always be looking at Lenny. He smiles. Who doesn't want to look at a smiling Lenny, right? And that helps. And that's the hardest thing. And you don't want to put your own self. So you could literally even take take your notes and put them right over the screen so you don't even see yourself. So that's what you have to do. Train yourself
0: not to look at you and look at Lenny instead. Fabulous. Fabulous. So where did you start on video? And did you like doing video when you when you very first started? No, I hated it. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> like everybody else. You know,
1: you compare yourself, you're like, oh, I don't like my hair. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, we're all like that. And I thought you had to be blonde and beautiful and, you know, all this sort of thing. And I decided, you know, in the beginning, I had to start what was comfortable for me. And I'm an introvert. So by my very nature, I don't like to be in the limelight. So I started with just doing videos where I was the narrator in the background. So I would do screen shares or PowerPoints and I would just be a voice. And then I graduated. The next step up for me was being that little circle bubble on Loom. And I got comfortable being little teeny Jillian off in the corner. And that was good. And then after a while, my circle got bigger (laughs) and I was able to be bigger Jillian. And then one day I decided, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to die here, folks. And I just went ahead and went full screen. Whoops, sorry, went full screen. And um, then I just kind of got over it. And in the beginning, I would make mistakes. And I would go back and think, oh, I'll clean it up through editing. And then I realized, you know what, it doesn't matter. I need to just be human. It takes too long to do that kind of editing. And I realized, maybe people just need to see other people make mistakes too. And then they'll feel more comfortable. So I just let it go.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've got so much film on my on my mobile, <laughs> on my camera, where I've started stuff and I've got, oh, God, no, do it again and do it again and do it again. And you're you, it's never perfect, mm-hmm. which is why I love the live so much. And it's, I'm sure it's the same for you, because you don't have to think about it. You just talk. As, exactly. long as, you have, as long as you have some idea of, you know, who the guest is and what you're talking about and who your audience is and all those sort of basics, then actually once you've switched on the the live, Away you go, you know, and it is what it is. You're getting the authentic, honest, this is us, you know, yep. take it or leave it. As you were saying earlier, you know, it, you, you will attract to people to you that you want to have with you that, you know, actually appreciate what it is that you're doing. Otherwise they wouldn't be watching. Exactly. And that's okay. Cause we're not for everybody. And if we try
1: to be for everybody, we're for nobody. <laughs> So yeah just just be the people just be for the people that are going to resonate and that's it
0: yeah so tell me then why let's go back to the 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 comment you made earlier about the linkedin lives what is it that's so special about the linkedin lives for you because in this day and age
1: where everything can be per- perfect because now you got ai videos and to be honest with you, some of those AI videos are getting very difficult to tell who's real, who's not real. To me, LinkedIn Live will always be real. And that's what I like. That's what I embrace with the lives. And I never know where the conversation's going. So to me, it's much more engaging. It's much more raw, unedited. I like that bit of it. And I think people your true expertise comes out. So I could come and do a video and have it, you know, I could go through chat GPT and give me all the things that I'm supposed to say and have my script and memorize my script or have the teleprompter and have my eyes all adjusted on the video. So it looks perfect. And then you get me in real life and I don't know anything because somebody did all my lines for me. However, on a live, if I don't know what I'm talking about, it's going to show. It's going right. to show. So I like that real authentic bit of what's involved with a live. Plus, it's easier. It's easier to show up. For thirty minutes, do a live, and then great. Now you got a podcast. You can repurpose this. You can turn it into a blog article. You can chop it into micro videos. So to me, you just get a better return on your investment, better ROI doing a live and using
0: it for other things. It just it's evergreen. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I love it. And um, then let's take you from behind the camera and put you on a stage. Okay. Which you will be in March. Uh, you will be at the uh, Uplift event, and uh, John will be very impressed when I show you this. Da, da, Woo! Da, Woo! Uplift Live, I uh, love it. And, and John Esperian is 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 the uh, one of, one of the hosts and organizers of the Uplift in uh, in Birmingham in on the twenty first of March next year. So, how did you get involved in that, Jillian? And how are you preparing? And what is it that you are going to be speaking about?
1: Oh my gosh. That was like one of those where it was just like, I can't believe I got invited to come and speak at the live. I was so excited when I got, it was just like, I screamed with excitement. I was so excited when I, when I was asked to do it. So, um, I don't know, John, just, John just said, they, they put my name on the list. They voted <laughs> yes, let's have Jillian come from Las Vegas. And I just immediately said yes. I immediately said yes. I was just so excited. And if I wasn't speaking, I'd be in the front row anyways, because I have to come. I have to come and and meet all the amazing people that are not only speaking, but coming in the audience. There's so many wonderful people. And I do encourage everybody, please come and join us because this is going to be in my opinion, the event of 2024, be there, be square type of thing. Yeah. So, um, and what am I speaking about? I'm going to be speaking about LinkedIn live and, uh, I, I don't want to go too much into detail, but I, I'm going to be talking about something that will apply to people, whether you want to be a, um, if you haven't started with LinkedIn live, or you're already doing live, what I'm talking about will resonate and will teach you something. So I just want to let everybody know I'm not going to divulge my secrets yet, but that's what I'm preparing for. I wanted to make sure that it would apply to everybody. And again, Jackie, like I said before, it's always about knowing the audience. And so I was really keen on who the audience was. So I want to make sure what I'm talking about will apply to everybody there and will matter.
0: Yeah, that'll be me. That'll be me. I'll be there in the audience. Yeah, I couldn't miss it. I I was thinking I'd have terrible FOMO because I know so many people that are going that I think I'd <laughs> it would it would I couldn't I couldn't cope with all the uh, stuff coming out on on LinkedIn the following day and having not been there. So I'm really really looking forward to it. Just one tip though for someone like me who does like you do a LinkedIn live every week. How does the algorithm treat us? Because it doesn't seem to, my my, uh, my posts for it don't seem to stretch very far, and I do, I'm not sure why that is. Um, well, it
1: it's kind of, it, it gains momentum on its own. So it's hard in the beginning, and I'll be real honest about that. In the beginning, it was like, I don't even know if anybody saw me. It was, I just kept going live. And it was like, Oh, I gotta like (laughs) what's like type of thing. You just have to keep going. It really took me almost a year to get the momentum going. The important thing is show up at the same place, same time, you know, just keep going through very, very important to figure out backing into it. When are you going to start promoting it? And I have a few things that I do. I, consistent, I do my lives every Tuesday. I consistently publish and promote my lives every Friday. And that is my post of the day. I don't do anything else. It's that one post only. And I think that's very important to have a couple of days in advance where people can see it, and then I also have a schedule for the month. So this month I was traveling. I was traveling over the weekend. I went up to Canada for the weekend. And so I got my my post out last night and it literally said, here's all my guests. So it's sort of a save the date. So you begin to do different things like that, but you almost have to promote it beforehand and promote it afterwards. And then I do a podcast as well. So you have to really be strategic in mm. marketing your lives before, during and after.
0: Yeah I do try it's it's in my diary to do every Friday. It doesn't always happen on a Friday as you know, but it, it will always happen on the Monday if it doesn't happen on the Friday. And then I put I do put it onto the audio so this will go out on audio uh, as a podcast as well That's and then I, I take clips and and do do what I do I do a little bit like I should. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. So before we uh, before we disappear, because we're we're nearly running towards the end, I just wanted to know. Well, take take me back to that quote. What was that we were talking about? The wrong story for the wrong audience. Yes.
1: So so when I first began with Toastmasters, I I heard there was a humor contest, and I thought, okay, I'm not really that funny, but I'm going to just you know push myself and go for it. So I decided to do a speech. And there was a lot of women in my club and I was a new mother. So I decided to do a speech called, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. And it was just this play of like, you know, thinking I had it all worked out. And then I went to go have this baby and it was too, it was, everything went wrong. I was a whip. It was terrible. I was never a a hero in, in in the whole birthing thing. It just was not me. So my club loved it. It was all full of women. It was all full of women that had been mothers. They got it. They got the humor. I had a lot of great humor in that. And I just, yeah, I did all these interplays with Gone With the Wind. I just did a really, really good job (laughs) with it. So then I get to the first level of the contest and I walk out on stage and it's all men. There was hardly any women in the audience and all the judges were men. And they were just like, you could see them you know, moving in their seats like they did not want to hear this topic. So no matter that I made it funny, it was the wrong speech. Meanwhile, the guy that I was up against did a speech about Braveheart and he (laughs) was like freedom and he was talking about McDonald's and French fries, but he interplayed it with the Braveheart movie with Mel Gibson. And it was just like he was it was obvious he was going to win over me. And that's when I began to realize hmm. Maybe you have to think through your speeches. You can have the great greatest speech in the world, but if it doesn't resonate for that audience you're talking to, it's not going to work.
0: No. So there's a great lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's always about the audience whether you like it or not. And, and there's something about about walking out in front of an audience and knowing that you are in front of the wrong audience because then your energy, it just everything comes crashing down, doesn't it?
1: You're like, you're waiting for that like lever and it's like, let me just drop through the floor now and get this over.
0: Yeah. Oh, poor you. Especially if I forget the guy doing Braveheart, that must be really, really difficult. <laughs> and he really was good.
1: He really was good. So, and that's the thing is like, I clapped for him instead of being, you know, for me, I clapped for him and I went, it's a great learning experience. And if we can always do that with things and not like, Oh, great. You know, I'm, I'm going to just go home and, you know, if, if you can just say, what can I take away from this? What's the learning experience? Maybe I got a good story one day. That's, there that's good.
0: Can. Yeah, And you have, you have, yeah. There's no failure, only feedback. Mm. Own feedback, right? We're we're up on our thirty minutes, but the the question that I ask all of my guests, and I'd love to know your answer. Uh, and we didn't we we didn't I didn't tell you this beforehand, I don't think. But what what makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck?
1: Mm. Storytelling. So storytelling is how you will capture me, you know. I'm I'm from I'm a from, you know, from Israel. So I'm from a people that love stories. So storytelling captures us. It it brings us in. So that to me makes a good speaker. What makes a bad speaker is boring stories. So those would be stories that have no point or don't have any meaning for the audience. So if you just do a sport story that goes on and on and on, and it has nothing to do. And nobody can take away anything from that. Or if it's just about you,
0: it doesn't capture me. No, I absolutely, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Well, thank you for being such a fantastic guest today. And thank before you. we go, let me just show where people can get hold of you. So, being a LinkedIn expert, this is the the best place to uh, connect with you, follow you there on LinkedIn. Also, your website, Video Easy Peasy. So what can people find there, Jillian? Because we didn't really discuss that.
1: Uh, they can just, you know, I have a couple of things about YouTube. Um, I have a freebie. You don't even have to give your name or anything. You could just download it about, you know, setting up your YouTube channel. Because I think that's a great backup to LinkedIn, getting to know YouTube. And you'll learn a little bit about me. And if you want to work with me, how I work with people. And we can even do a free consult if you need a 15-minute, just get to know
0: your things. So that's that's, that's pretty where quiet. You yeah brilliant brilliant and if uh, anybody out there needs to find me i'm at power speak.co.uk so if you are watching the replay then please do come and uh, again join in you can leave a comment ask a question and uh, i will certainly endeavor to get back to you and maybe even Gillian will too i will so yeah you can go find Gillian on her youtube channel too because i know she's she's on there doing doing marvelous work so thank you so much for being here Gillian, and I, next week, my guest is somebody that I know you have spoken to, and that's Jules White.
1: Oh, I love
0: Jules. She's yes. amazing. She's, She's amazing. Live it, love it. Sell it. It's, uh, yeah, we have Jules White with us next week. So have a fabulous week, Gillian, and thank you for being here. And to thank everybody you. out there, see you next week. Bye.